Hello everybody. So there was a question asked earlier as to why do I think that we're going to see more risk-based salaries coming out in PT. And I wanted to take some time to collect my thoughts, make sure that I had the data at hand that I, I thought that I knew, um, and then give the answer, right? And so the question was, why are we going to see more therapists paid based off of a commission or what revenue generated instead of just straight salary as time goes on? And, and I answered it um, because PTs over the course of time, at least based off of the knowledge that we have today, PTs over the course of time are going to lose the leverage that we have today, which today's leverage isn't as good as what we had 10 years ago. Right. And so our leverage is going to continue to be lost. And the, the, the person asking the question didn't quite fully understand what I meant when I say leverage. So I have some notes here. We'll, uh, I don't know if you could see that. Oh, it's going to be backwards anyways on your screen, so it doesn't really matter. So let's cover some basic stuff, right? In 2016, in the PT Journal, I remember reading this article while I was working out, so like all these numbers are still relatively fresh in my head from a few years ago. Um, in 2016, PT Journal, Landry et al., okay, they ran numbers on expected PTs versus the need for PTs over the years of 2010, or sorry, 2013 versus what they thought was going to happen in 2020. And here's what we had. In 2011, it was a multi-year study. In 2011, they assumed an attrition rate of 3.5%, and if that happened, we would need 25,000 PTs, okay, over the course of the next 10 years. If the attrition rate, attrition, leaving the profession for any reason, right, if the attrition rate was 1.5%, we would have a surplus of PTs over need by about 8,500, okay? In 2012, they ran the numbers again at 3.5%, we would be down 3.5% attrition, meaning 3.5% of our workforce left. We would be understaffed by about 41,000, which means that we would need to produce another 41,000 PTs in the country um, for 2020. We'd be short. If it was 1.5% um, attrition, we would be short by about 9,500. 2013, they looked at the numbers again. If there was a 3.5% attrition, we would be short 20, 28,000. And a 1.5% attrition, we would be in a surplus, meaning there would be more PTs than jobs needed by about 1,530. That's important when we come back to the, the last sheet of paper here that I have, okay? And when you read the study, the study says that, again, they were anticipating a fairly large shortage of PTs going into 2020, right? And so... The, uh, the authors recommended magnifying the number and size of PT education, which means that we need to bring in a lot more new PTs every year. They also said that we could reach out to foreign trained therapists and allow more foreign trained therapists into the country, which is what happened historically. The other thing that they addressed was decreasing attrition, right? Because if we decreased attrition, we wouldn't have as large of a gap between therapists needed. And so they said we could decrease attrition by improving the quality of work-life balance. We're all saying burnout is becoming an issue in our profession, right? Improving financial incentives over the course of time for PTs to try to keep them in the workforce and providing greater professional development. Okay, so keep these in mind because these are important when I get to that third sheet of paper. 
So the first thing that they said was we need to increase the total number of schools and increase the class size per school. So if you look at what happens, sorry, another, another sheet of paper. Um, if you look at, at the research on CAPTI, if you put the numbers in, in 2013, there were 230 accredited schools with eight schools in development. In 2019, there were 256 accredited schools with 11 schools in development. So if we do some big math, right, the total schools times average students in 2013, you had a total of 238 schools and average students were 42, which means on average, we had about 10,000 new grads per year coming out into the workforce. 2019, we have 267 schools up from 238, okay? And we have 45 students per class, which means now we're producing 12,000 students per year, new grads coming out. So we're putting in an extra 2,000 per year, new grads coming out. Okay, so CAPTI essentially followed what the research said, right? We need to increase the number of schools and increase the number of students per school in order to start reducing the uh, total demand that we're going to have. We're supposed to have a shortage of upwards of 41,000 PTs, or it's going to be a 41,000 PT shortage uh, expected for 2020. Now let's look at what's really happening right now. So the APTA in 2020 did a workforce projection for the next 10 years. Okay, In 2019, in total, we had 224,000 PTs and 106,000 PTAs. Okay. The APTA, again, I'm going based off of just numbers. Okay, so the APTA says that in 2021, we will need 215,000 PTs and we'll have 219,000. So we're already seeing a surplus, right? By the time we get to 2030, we're going to need 228,000 PTs, but we'll have 253,000 Right, so we're sitting at 25,000 more PTs than the need that will be there. So again, when I start talking, we're gonna lose the leverage. We're losing the leverage and we will greatly lose the leverage come 2030 because we're producing more PTs, assuming nothing else changes. We're producing more PTs than we actually need in our profession. So if we go back to that initial article, right? The initial article that told CAPTI that we probably need to increase schools and increase class size. Based off of this, if the numbers are switching, we probably need to reduce accreditation and reduce class size over the course of time. And to increase the number of PTs that are leaving, you need to decrease the quality of work-life balance, decrease financial incentives, and decrease professional development. Um, and if you look at those, those are those are key indicators for burnout, right? If you got PT seeing more patients per day, I think the, the number in Spain was 20. If you're seeing more than 20 patients per day, increased likelihood of burnout, right? Decreased financial incentives, which means PTs may be seen taking more risk than what they are right now. Or PTs are going to go become owners, which I think might also happen, right? We're going to see more small, these micro practices opening up where you have one or two people that's it in the business. Um, but again, when, and, and again, this goes back to a video that I did last week. There are a lot of people recommending to go out and open up your own business, but not everybody is built to be a number one. 
You know, I am a clinician, dude. I am a clinician. That's what I I I, I enjoy being a clinician. I like treating patients, uh, but right now I'm managing budgets. Right, I'm looking at productivity. I'm doing what it takes to manage clinics, and it's not as fun as treating patients for me. Right, so telling somebody to go out and open a clinic may not be the best advice if they're not a number one, if they're not a firefighter. So this is what I mean when I say we're going to be losing the leverage because there's more people than jobs. And we're seeing it happen right now, right? We're seeing it happen, play out with COVID. In the general population, there were more jobs than people who were willing to work. We saw salaries increase, especially in our area where there's a lot of uh, warehouses. They talked about it on the, on the radio. When, um, when the stimulus ran out, they were already predicting that they were going to lower their wages when they got more people applying for the job. And so for PT clinics, nobody really wants to lower wages, but owners don't want to be the one at risk, right? And so, you know, again, you, you have to understand the business portion, which is what Tony Maritato is talking about, but he's not really going into de in depth with this. So we'll see PTs taking on more of a risk, greater reward, right? You see more patients, you make more money. Now, now comes the ethical dilemma, right? Do you start double booking patients, triple booking patients? And if you do that, who's at fault, right? Who is going to be the one in which the sword drops down on? Because if the PT is, is double and triple booking patients, the PT's license at stake, right? Who's going to be the one to pay the penalty? Historically, what I've seen, it's been the, um, the clinics that are the ones being paying the penalty, these large fines, again, Google Dreyer physical therapy and FBI healthcare abuse. And, and you'll see $7 million was that one. And that was a long time ago. And, and they're still happening. And so you should know what's happening in our profession. Um, but yeah, you're going to force the PT to start making those ethical dilemmas uh, instead of the company. I mean, does it really matter who's doing it? Not really. I mean, you're going to have some PTs that are going to choose to make more money, which I understand the ethical issue um, because they got families to feed. And so you're going to have some PTs that are going to choose to see two and three patients at a time and bill as if they were seeing two to three patients at a time instead of it being a company mandate, right? I don't know if the company is going to argue because the company is seeing more money. Um, but again, if there's no patients coming into the clinic, then the company reduces some of their, their risk, meaning they reduce the number of, 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 they reduce the total amount of money that they're paying to the therapist. Now, the other thing that I see happening, okay, again, if you go back and you look at some of the videos that I did in 2019, we, I predicted a lot of this happening in 2019, um, and it's starting to come to fruition, right? We're seeing more questions about this asked on Facebook. Um, you're going to hear people saying, well, then they should just go open up a clinic. Yeah, kind of, right? What I don't see happening is a company hiring on an employee at 100% risk, meaning if the patient doesn't come in, the employee doesn't get paid at all. Right. I, I, again, if that's the case, then that person should look into going to open up their own clinic if they're absorbing 100% of the risk. Um, again, they self-evaluate, reflect, are you a number one or are you a number two or are you a number 100, right? Meaning, are you going to be a nine to five, clock in, clock out, and you don't want to do all the marketing and all the billing and such? Or are you the person who you're okay with all the problems landing on your lap? But I do see clinics giving a low base salary with a high incentive or a medium base salary with a medium incentive or a lower base salary with no incentive, right? So like uh, meaning 
you know, a clinic may choose to give somebody $30,000 with a high end potential of making 100 grand or 120 grand, or giving somebody $45,000 with a high end potential of making 80, or give somebody $62,000 and that's it. That's, dude, you hit your limit, right? Because the companies have to reduce the amount of risk that they're taking, uh, as we're seeing, especially as we're seeing reimbursement decline. So I hope that this answers. Some of the questions that were out there regarding leverage and why I predicted back in 2019 that we were going to start to see this happen and why we're starting to see this happen now and why I think it's going to actually become more prevalent as time goes on. Anyway, thanks for watching.